Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Um, I want to start off today by saying I know that last week I mentioned I would be talking about oxalates, and I want you to know I haven't forgotten that's coming soon. But um, today, however, uh, I had a guest, well, a few days ago, I had a guest write in asking to talk about autism. And I work with a lot of autism cases, actually. And um, this is a condition that I found other medicines and modalities to not be super effective with and helping people actually make long-term progress. And so um, I really wanna take some time to talk about this topic. And this is such an important um, topic. It's largely misunderstood. And um, the options available for approaching autism and especially kids with autism, they're not effective. They're not super effective. Okay, and they actually oftentimes the treatments are more so suppressive in nature. And so long term, it actually makes the issue worse and not better. And so what we see in our autistic kids, um, and, and we can apply this to adults as well, because after over time, the more suppressive therapies that are used, the more advanced the condition becomes. And as I mentioned, I work with a lot of autism cases, mostly children, some adults. And I actually um, have a program called Homeopathy for Autism. And I'll talk more about that later, but um, I've, I've treated, and I have to say that word cautiously, I can't say I treat anyone because I don't have MD behind my initials. And I don't know if even medical doctors can say that. Um, so there's a lot of gray area there. But what I can say is I've had a lot of uh, individuals, mostly kids who are autistic, come into my homeopathic practice. And with ongoing homeopathic care, have had great success in helping these individuals move forward and actually start improving their condition versus um, degenerating their condition, which much other treatments, especially allopathy tends to do. So um, the thing is, is that this is also an important topic because this issue is not going away. Um, one in 16 children um, today are affected by autism. Now, in the 1950s, the number of people affected uh, by autism, one in 10,000. So this is a condition that is getting markedly worse, not better. And we have to take a deeper look at this. 
why is this happening? What can we do to prevent it? What can we do to reverse this? Because if we continue down this road, we're going to get to a point where every kid who's born is going to be autistic. And so um, we need to understand, first and foremost, the causes. What are the root causes of autism? Because only when we actually target the removal of the root causes can we make headway with any disease or disorder, not just autism, but including autism, literally any disease or disorder, we have to get to the root. And I know that I say this often and we say, oh, root cause, you know, this is the root cause and that's the root cause. And really a lot of people are just dancing around what the root cause is because the modalities that they're actually using like supplements or blood testing or genetic testing cannot get to the root cause of the issue. So during this first episode, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna launch a series here on autism because it's a big subject, it's highly misunderstood, and I wanna take some time to help you all understand what's really going on here. I really want you to understand in a deeper way what's triggering autism, what are the root causes, you know? And I wanna get into this topic with much more depth than uh, what we're told and taught and offered in most cases today. So during this first episode in the Homeopathy for Autism series, I'm gonna talk about root causes of autism. Now, of course, the degree uh, or the severity in which this disorder can impact someone's life greatly varies, right? There's, there's various different ways that this disease manifests itself and expresses itself in individuals who struggle with this condition. And um, so we, we have a, a spectrum here, right? And so we can see kids who, who literally cannot talk, who've lost this ability. We can see kids or people who struggle in social situations and, and that can vary depending on, are they, are they just a little anxious or they're socially awkward or they literally can't go into social situations without having a panic attack or a meltdown. And we can see behavior issues, kids being very violent or aggressive with their self, with others, kids who are shameless and, and preoccupied on the sexual sphere, and um, kids who have excessive um, masturbation these are all can be symptoms of and expressions of autism. And we can also see um, this shamelessness, this shamelessness attitude, because the area of the brain that has been uh, influenced by the disease impacts this, right? There's no real awareness there because that part of the brain has been affected. You know, and, and we also see kids who have trouble focusing or concentrating in school or who have trouble forming relationships. We see kids and adults who struggle with, with epileptic fits as part of the uh, autism expression. And we can also see kids and adults with heightened fears and phobias and panic states. And so, the way autism expresses itself is going to be very individual and unique to each organism. Now, 
I have seen and worked with all degrees of this, this disorder. And I will say, and I know I cannot claim to diagnose, treat, or cure any condition. And I actually would never do that. To me, that's a little bit egotistical, saying I can cure everything out there. No, that's impossible. But I will share from my experience that children who are born autistic, they're autistic from birth. These are often and almost always incurable, quote unquote, palliative cases. And we can really, we, we can't use, there's no modality known at this time that can actually cure that state. There is palliative care and you can use homeopathy and other modalities to palliate, to comfort the child, et cetera. Um, but the genetic predisposition in these cases is so deep, is so strong that it got triggered in the organism during conception. And this most often happens when there's a deep pathology in the parents and especially on the mental emotional sphere. So what I've seen in these instances and also in autism that develops after birth, I've seen these, these um, predispos predispositions be in place as well. But when we see um, certain pathologies in, in a parent, such as schizophrenia, psychosis, deep phobias, um, alcoholism, and we also have to consider if the mother is taking prescription meds while pregnant or using recreational drugs when pregnant, including cannabis, including alcohol, yes, this can all set the stage for a genetic predisposition to autism, a child being born autistic, and or a child developing autism later down the line. Now, I have found that when a child is born and there's no sign of autism yet, these cases respond much more positively. Improvements, headway can actually be made. Forward movement can actually be made under homeopathic care in these populations. And there's a certain point. So the child is born relatively healthy, right? There's no sign of issues. There's no sign of developmental issues. There's no sign of, of speech issues, right? There, there's none of this is noticeable or even present at birth. But there is a noticeable shift that occurs. And usually this occurs when the pathology goes from physical, the physical pathology. So let's say the kid's getting reoccurring ear infections or strep throat or um, asthma attacks, right? The pathology is focused much, much more so on the physical level. And then there's a tipping point when the pathology goes from the physical to the mental emotional and almost the physical either goes away or it just becomes a whisper in the background. It's nothing compared to the mental emotional condition that develops. Now, these cases um, are where I have found much room for progress, for forward movement, for improvement under solid ongoing homeopathic care.
And I'm going to talk about, you know, what makes this shift happen from the physical to the mental, emotional pathology, what are the triggers there and so forth. Now, uh, before I go there, throughout this series, I'm going to, of course, discuss root causes of autism in this episode. We're, we're going to get into that in just a second. But throughout this series, I'm also going to address how I use homeopathy to approach case, cases of autism. I'm going to share with you what to expect when under homeopathic care. Let's say your child is autistic and you want to undergo homeopathic care. What, what can you expect? Or maybe you're already under homeopathic care with, with a homeopath and trying to address autism. How do you know if this case is moving in a positive direction? And um, what can you expect under solid homeopathic care in, in such cases? What are the signs that the child or, or the individual is actually improving? I'm going to talk about possibilities with homeopathic care for autism. And I'll also discuss the duration of treatment and the progression of the disease. So um, let's deepen into today's episode by talking about root causes of autism. And um, specifically what I mean here is with regard to kids who are born healthy and then boom, a noticeable shift occurs. And often this, it, we can see this shift. It's indicated, we can see it, we can, uh, uh, it, it's expressed when the pathology goes from the physical level to more the mental emotional level. Meaning the physical pathology lessens and the mental emotional pathology gets markedly worse. There's a noticeable shift. What's an example of this? Now, I mentioned a little bit of this here just a minute ago, but a child struggles with recurring ear infections. Eventually, the ear infections subside, and then we see the language stop. Or we see anxiety or OCD behaviors. Or the ear infections get better, and we see the child start to act out, defecating in inappropriate places. I see this often in, in autism cases. Uh, children playing with their stool, um, children exploring themselves sexually and in, in not like in a pathological way. Um, and uh, children becoming agoraphobic or greatly introverted and melancholic. And so what we will see is a some sort of noticeable shift from the physical pathology to then the mental emotional pathology. It shifts, the, the action of the disease shifts from the physical to the mental emotional. Now, what I have observed is that when this shift happens from the physical level, and, and you know, remember that this physical level typically, typically, not always, but typically is less life-threatening. This is a, the physical pathology. If somebody just came into my practice with only physical pathology, typically these are the easiest cases to treat. I cannot remember the last time that happened because today, because of all of the suppressives we've been given, because of all of the way that the, the screens and the Wi-Fi affects our brain chemistry, Pathology is much more so centered on the mental emotional state today. 
and or there's a combination of physical, mental, emotional. That's what I primarily see in my practice. But when the pathology is, is primarily on the physical level, it's typically less life-threatening, easier to treat. When the pathology shifts from the physical level, like let's say from the eczema to the mental emotional, let's say, um, you know, there's a change in speech or there's a change in behavior. The child starts playing with the stool or acting out more, right? These are quote unquote, deeper forms of pathology. When the pathology moves into the mental emotional sphere, the pathology, this is deeper. This is a deeper pathology than physical pathology in most cases. And so the trigger for this, as I'm sure many of you may be aware of, is a suppressive agent, a vaccination, antibiotics, steroid drugs. This is the trigger that can eventually pull the genetic predisposition um, and turn that switch on to trigger the disease in the brain or neurological issues. This switch is flipped almost always by suppressive therapies. For example, somebody has reoccurring ear infections, antibiotic, 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 until eventually the ear infections go away, but then the pathology is more noticeable on the mental emotional sphere, even a significant drop in energy levels or, or um, uh, somebody a kid becomes more anxious or more depressed or has more behavioral issues, is more violent, is more aggressive. So when we overuse these therapies, these suppressive therapies, and everybody's breaking point for these therapies is different. It could be one round of antibiotics. It could be, I once had somebody who did 80 something rounds of antibiotics. Unbelievable that a medical doctor would even allow that to happen, but they have no idea how to treat it otherwise. So, um, so the suppressive therapies, when it when so many are taken that the organism gets to a, a its breaking point, then the genetic predisposition is activated and the pathology deepens on the mental emotional sphere. So um, I, I'm going to mention here also that I have also seen less, but I have seen it. I have seen cases where this switch, this genetic predisposition, again, this genetic predisposition has to be in place on the brain level, on the neurological level. There has to be some genetic predisposition in place for the kid to become autistic, for it to get to the point where that, that switch is flipped. And it, it's why autism? Why autism in some people? Because the genetic predisposition is on the brain and neurological level. Why in some people it is, um, you know, maybe it manifests more as depression and they're, they're not autistic, but they're depressed, right? Because the genetic predisposition is more on that level. Why in some people, wicked constipation? Because the genetic predisposition is more on that level. But as I was saying, I also see, and in less cases, but I do see it, that this switch, this genetic predisposition switch, um, 
can become activated when the child is for, uh, faced with an emotionally triggering or traumatic event. The divorce of parents, um, the, the death of a parent or a caregiver or a sibling, um, abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, living in an abusive household. So these things can also, if, it, if the organism gets to a point where that abuse is too much or that grief is too much, the genetic predisposition switch can go on. And then we see autism manifest. Honestly, those cases of autism tend to be, I have seen, take the shortest amount of time to rectify with homeopathic care. But we have to pinpoint the root cause. When you come in for a, a session, for your initial session, it's very important. The first thing we do throughout that session is we, we determine, okay, what are the root causes here? And then we have to approach from that place in order to make headway. So you see, Treating autism is no different than treating any other condition in the sense that you have to approach it from a root cause place and then pinpoint that stimulus in your treatment strategy. Was it triggered by a vaccination? If yes, do we know which one, which vaccination and or what symptoms actually developed in the organism as a result of the vax. That's what I wanna know. That is important to me. Not that the kid became autistic, okay? Disease diagnoses mean very little to me. I wanna know the symptoms of the individual. This is how we, we get very uh, murky and confused and don't make much progress with our healing when we only focus on a disease diagnosis. Oh, my, you know, autism, my kid has autism or this person has autism. Let me Google supplements for that or Google a diet for that. Those things may be helpful somewhat, but it's never going to access the root cause. It can't touch upon that. It can't touch upon the vax injury. It can't touch upon the grief if that was the cause. It can't touch upon the genetic predisposition if there was alcoholism or drug abuse in the family line. Those things can't touch upon that. That's more of a palliative approach. So I wanna know what actually triggered this, this condition and then what are the, what is the individuals, what is the child's, what are their unique symptoms? Every person is going to respond differently. Their symptoms are going to be expressed differently. And that's what we have to focus on in order to make headway with this condition. So it's important to note that the root causes of aut autism and I think this is clear, but they can vary like every other disease. And there has to be a genetic predisposition in place. Now, what are some of those? I've mentioned those, but let's be really clear here. A family or parental history of alcoholism or drug abuse, a family or parental history of brain or neurological issues, 
um, Alzheimer's, MS, um, uh, uh, schizophrenia. And the more advanced the condition, the greater the susceptibility in the child. If the mom is schizophrenic, the greater the susceptibility in the child. If the, the parent struggled with Alzheimer's or that's in the gene pool, that's a significant condition, then the greater the risk of autism in the child. Or extreme OCD behaviors, extreme phobias. These, the degree as to which the parent or the family line struggles with these things, really this has a huge influence. This is one of the biggest influencing factors as to how, uh, if this condition is gonna get triggered in the offspring. So these factors, something along the genetic predisposition line, and again, that's gonna vary depending on each individual case, they're already gonna be in place. They have to be in place actually in order for, for autism to develop. This is one reason why I encourage anyone considering having a child to seek out homeopathic care before conceiving to help remove the genetic predispositions um, or at the very least lessen their influence. You know, maybe a genetic predisposition, you know, is in place, but under homeopathic care, you can lessen it. And that is very possible. So when the child is conceived, and born, if the parent's been under homeopathic care, and I say this not to be like dogmatic or like you have to do homeopathy, I literally haven't found another modality to remove, and this isn't like, oh, you take a remedy and the genetic predisposition's gone. No, depending on the depth of the genetic predisposition, it could take, it's gonna take at least a year to really clear out a genetic predisposition. And often there are several genetic predispositions in place. This isn't just like you wave a magic wand and you take a remedy and, and four sugar pellets and the next day your genetic predisposition is gone. This is ongoing care, ongoing homeopathic care. And the more you know months and years you have behind you on homeopathic care, it's just, the, the better health you're going to have and the better health your child is going to have and the less genetic predispositions they're going to be born with. So um, now most parents and, and people aren't aware of this. Um, and, you know, I'm, I wasn't aware of it until I was aware of it, right? Be, because this knowledge is buried from us. And all we can do is our very best with the information we know at the time. You conceived a child, you're pregnant right now, you have a child and you've never done homeopathic care, you did your best. And there's a lot that you can do from this point moving forward to continue to support your health. So my hope is that, you know, the, the entirety of this podcast, The Primal Pioneer, helps to spread this awareness and knowledge. So, um people can become more aware, more informed of this medicine that has intentionally been buried from us since 1910 when the Flexner Report came in and said, no, we're not going to have homeopathy at the heart of our medical training anymore. We're not going to have it at the heart of Boston University and Drexel and um, Stanford and the New York Medical College. No, we're not going to have homeopathy at the heart of this. 
homeopathy, the intake is too long. Um, and there's too many choices. We need to keep it simple for doctors. We need to get the patients in and out. Boom, boom, boom. Name the disease diagnosis. Boom. Give one drug for that diagnosis and then get them out and get the next person in. The Flexner report changed this. So, and since then, um, when, and homeopathy was at the heart of medical training. Most people don't know this. And so the Flexner report came, came in and said, no, no, no. The Carnegie Foundation said, no, nope, I don't think so. That's not how we make money. That's not, you know, how we control people. This is how we do it. This is how we make dollars. This is how we get people in and out. This is how we keep people in our system. And so not from that day on, homeopathy um, has become just a bunch of sugar pellets, witchcraft, um, ineffective. I'm going to tell you something. When you see an autistic kid come in, when I see an autistic kid come into my practice and I give a remedy and in less than a month, their behavior starts to shift after years, you got me bent if that didn't help and work. And you, you, it's just like, they don't want to admit it. It's threatening to them. And, um, and then they've, they've caused the masses to fear this medicine, to consider it as less than. Listen, you heard the colonoscopy uh, episode just a little while back. We used homeopathy to stop the rectal bleeding that the freaking allopathic doctors caused from that procedure. Um, uh, I, I can't even, the, the amount of times I've seen homeopathy pull people out of crises, emergency situations, as well as chronic conditions, as well as autism, but I'm talking about pull people out of comas, get people walking after they've been paralyzed and in wheelchairs, um, put a cancer diagnosis into remission, you know, handcuff me for that, but it's just what I've observed, right? So this knowledge has been buried from us. And, and this is why so many people today have no idea about this medicine and the efficacy of this medicine, the potential and the power of this medicine. And so you can tell that I'm just a little bit passionate about this subject. <laughs> so, um, and I'm passionate about it because what it's done for me as well as what it's done for other people and the observations I've seen it, uh, I've seen it accomplish in others as well. It's remarkable. When you get somebody the correct remedy, it can change somebody's life. So for autism, right, there needs to be just like every other condition, a genetic predisposition in place. And if the child is not born autistic, there are certain triggers that can activate the genetic predisposition. The most notable being jabs, then steroid drugs, then antibiotics. And I would say in that order as well. And we also have to consider um, grief or uh, a, a mental emotional trigger or a mental emotional traumatic experience can trigger the predisposition into autism. Now, I hope this episode helped you lay a solid foundation as to root causes of autism. And during the next episode, I'm going to talk about 
what to expect when under homeopathic care when addressing autism. I'm going to share my experience there. What have I, what I've observed. And let's say you're working with another homeopath. You're not working with me. You're working with somebody else. Great. Here's what you need to know about the, about homeopathy and autism and what you can expect from the treatment. How can you tell if it's moving in a positive direction or if you're kind of treading water, right? Uh, I'm going to help you understand that more clearly in the next episode. Um, and this will be a series. I'm hoping to release um, some more episodes, at least one more this week, and there'll be more in the coming week as well. So, um, and I'll also mention this, as I mentioned in the beginning, for anyone interested in homeopathy for supporting autism, for improving autism, um, keep your eye out because very soon on my site, I'm going to put up and I'm, I'm uh, offering homeopathy for autism program. It's an individualized program. This, these conditions can be um, rigorous cases. They can be intense cases that really need and deserve one-on-one -on -one pretty constant attention. And so um, I'm opening my practice up to um, accept a, a small number of, of autistic cases and depending on the severity um, to give that attention to these children or adults, if you're an adult with this condition or an adolescent, um, because this is the kind of attention that is needed to help bring these kids, these individuals out of an autistic state. So I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode and see you then. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.